0: Hi and Happy New Year! Welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of our life. As you can tell, this is not Sandy. This is Susie today. It's a different voice. It's because we are doing something special for New Year's. We want to do a recap of our highlight in our women's ministry in 2023. We are going to release our main sessions from our conference this past year. So we're going to release one today and then the following three days as well. Our theme was Rise Up for Jesus. And our topics cover the various ways that we are to represent Christ in us his likeness. Please join me today as I teach on Rise Up in Humility. So welcome. Every year when we plan this, it is quite a journey to get here. It is a time where we spend lots of time in prayer and dependence on God, and he has blessed us with an amazing team of talented and hardworking women that help this all together so i'm very thankful for that and as our MCs already said our theme this year is rise up for jesus and it really is my prayer that each one of us will leave with such a high view of god that we really will make him a priority in everything that we do i know we Intend to live that way But it's so hard in our day-to-day. We can so easily be deceived and sucked into the self-love culture of our of our world and Here we are as women who are trying to make Jesus number one and so we're gonna be talking about that today We want to be women who are willing to stand up for Jesus in a world that is aggressively opposed to him and and Maybe 10 years ago, there wasn't as many people that were aggressively opposed to Jesus and his truth But there is today and so we need to learn how to stand up for that Uh, one of the things that I've really been thinking about is In acts 541 which is our theme that the girls already beautifully explained to us as well It's on all of our merch this year is the verse that says "Um." They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And what had happened just before that is the apostles had been arrested, they had been freed, but then the officials wanted to kill them, but instead they just beat them and warned them, do not talk about Jesus anymore. And they decided we are gonna keep talking about Jesus. And their response was to rejoice that they had been counted worthy. And I think there's so few of us that really are willing and would really in our hearts say, I, I rejoice that I can be counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. But I hope by the end of this conference, we will all be ready to stand up and say, I am. And the beautiful thing is if we're all doing this, it's not just I am, but we are willing to suffer shame for his name. And if we're gonna get there, we have a lot of work to do. In fact, I think as women, we have to stop thinking a lot less about ourselves and start thinking a lot more about Jesus. And that means we are going to have to let go and repent of a lot of pride in our life and put on the humility of Christ. And so my question to all of us today is, how much uh, do you think about yourself? How often do you wonder, what are people thinking about me? How often do you think about all the trials in your life? And how much of your day is spent thinking about all the things that you need to do? And I think if most of your day and, or much of your day is really just thinking about yourself and everything that's going on in your life, I think then we have just exposed some pride in our lives. We want to be making God bigger in our life and ourselves smaller. So I'm not gonna ask, do you think about yourself, but how much do you think about yourself? And I just want to remind all of us, myself included, because as I'm up here, I'm certainly not teaching to you, but I'm teaching to us. I'm teaching to myself as well, because this is a message that I have to learn over and over again. Um, we really have to embrace the fact that there is only one God and guess what we're not him that means we have to start making God a whole lot bigger and us a whole lot smaller which means we have to stop thinking about ourselves so much and fill our thoughts with how great he is and we have to stop thinking of ourselves as so important and if I know anything about women, and I think I do, I think most of us are probably thinking, well, I actually don't think that much about myself. I, I actually kind of don't think I look that great, and I, I don't think I'm all that good at things, and I always worry about you know doing enough, so I actually don't think I'm that important. But the reality is, if you're filling your mind with how much you don't think you fulfill the expectations of other people, you're thinking too much of yourself Uh, maybe you're thinking well i don't even have time to think about myself i have too much to do well maybe even that is exposing your pride because you're thinking that everything falls on your shoulder and if you don't do it then who else will and so if you're resonating with some of what i'm saying then you're in the right place today Uh, i think we we often deceive ourselves and we. think we deceive others into thinking, no, I'm a humble person because I don't think I'm all that great and, you know, I want to be like Jesus, but I think if anything is true, any of what I've said, there's some pride in our lives that has been exposed and we need to put that off. Proverbs eleven two, which is my theme verse for tonight says when pride comes then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom and so through this uh, message I'm going to be asking six questions and my first question is what is pride pride is self exaltation. Uh, The CS Lewis Institute says that pride can be summarized as an attitude of self-sufficiency, self-importance, and self-exaltation in relation to God. Toward others, it is an attitude of contempt and indifference. And so that means that uh, instead of exalting our savior, we tend to exalt ourselves we tend to be self-sufficient. We think we can do it ourselves. And if anybody's ever raised a two-year-old or babysat for a two-year-old, you've probably heard, I do it myself, I do it myself. So pride starts at a very young age. It's not just adults that deal with pride. It's, it starts from the very beginning. It's a human condition. I think whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're born in this country or a different country, in this generation or a different generation, pride is a human condition that we all wrestle with. And it's, it's one that is a worship problem. To, to think of ourselves too much, to be self-sufficient, to act as if we really don't need God or anybody else, is a worship problem. It means that we view ourselves as number one and we steal God's rightful worship. And I know that we don't like to admit that. And maybe some of you are already wanting to shut down because you don't want to hear this message. But I'd encourage all of us not to shut down too quickly and to consider whether or not some of us have a little more pride in our lives than we would like to admit. Shane Pruitt says, the root cause of sin is that humans aren't satisfied being humans. They want to be God. And as much as my natural instinct would be to say, I'm not trying to be God, when I realize and see how often I try to control things or I feel like things are on my shoulders or how much I think about myself, I do realize that sometimes I too am trying to place take the place of God and this is sin it affects our relationship with God it affects our relationship with other people and as much as we'd like to think that we're not prideful or that we're maybe at least deceiving other people the reality is I think our pride has been exposed so then the next question we want to ask is how can I detect pride in my life I think it's easy much easier to detect pride in other people right we see their prideful ways but what about my own life it can be easy to try and excuse ourselves or to justify why we feel the way that we feel because there's usually a pretty good reason right But I think as women, sometimes our pride is manifested differently than it is in men. As a general statement, not a 100% true statement, but as a general statement, I would say that men tend to exhibit their pride in, in arrogance, right? But women tend to, Uh, show their pride with worry, fear, trying to control things, with self-loathing. Maybe a softer way to say that, or a more culturally appropriate way is to to say that we have low self-esteem, we second-guess ourselves, and we're always wondering if we measure up. And I think we've learned to excuse ourselves for that because don't all women do that after all? Uh, But I don't think so. I think if there's even a Hint of these things in our lives is something that we need to recognize Even that hint of pride is too much and we want to get rid of it So what I did is I asked around a little bit and I had to like Embrace myself a little bit because it's hard to hear but I knew it was important. I I asked around how other people that I know saw pride manifests itself in women. And the funny thing is that most of these I would have already known, but hearing it from other people is just kind of evidence. We're not hiding it. People see it in our lives. So let's deal with it. Because even before people see it, God's already seen it in our hearts. So listen up. These are things that I was told how women, and they were... It's not as if it's just women that show pride this way, but it can definitely be evident in women's lives. So one is false humility. Uh, And I'll just read exactly what was said. It is actually a manifestation of pride because we're trying to protect ourselves instead of serving others saying, oh, it's not that good in response to a compliment, or I did such a bad job. So someone's trying to compliment you and our immediate response is, oh, nah, not so good. Maybe some false humility going on. Secondly, not taking risks. So uh, this person said, this one is tied to the first one about false humility. I think protection or, of self by not taking risks is pretty common. Many like to hide from the limelight because they are afraid of cancel culture or making a mistake publicly. They are protecting their pride. So I would say as women, let's start taking a few more risks. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Sandy and I have been talking about that a little bit. Let's try something new. Let's do those things that we've always wanted to do or maybe been encouraged to do and maybe actually try it out. So the third thing then is not able to celebrate someone else or seeing everything as competition. Yeah, when someone else has accomplished something good and praiseworthy, we tend to minimize it or find the flaws because we are caught comparing ourselves and find ourselves coming up short. It is as though someone else's success threatens us. And then the next one was publicly praising our kids. Uh, the comment here was, this one is tricky because there is a place for a parent to praise their kids publicly. but showcasing our children's successes can be done out of a desire to be affirmed and show ourselves to be successful rather than out of a desire to give God glory and bless our child. I suppose a good litmus test is if you can be similarly enthusiastic for the successes of other people's children. So once again, do we just compare ourselves to other women? Maybe we're even comparing ourselves or our kids to other people's kids. Maybe a little bit too much. And then the next one, I've got a whole list here. They they see right through us. People see right through us. Getting overly defensive too quickly. Um, And how it was described is when you call something out that they have done wrong, maybe the way they've treated their children or the clothes that they choose, or when a husband comments about the house or the cooking, uh, the women tend to get very defensive very quickly before they even give it any thought. Uh, And so I'll just say, Sandy and I were chatting about this as well on my podcast, but I think we have a cultural paradox when it's okay to have expectations for women but not to have expectations for men. You see, I really don't think most women would think twice about making a comment about the grass hasn't been cut yet or why has the oil not been changed in the car or why haven't you gotten to these repairs yet? We wouldn't think twice about that. We wouldn't think twice about the fact that we expect our husbands to do that, most of us. Maybe Meg Boggs here, she just does it herself, but not all all of us are Meg Boggs, right? Um, But most of us wouldn't think twice about having that expectation for our husbands, but if they have an expectation on us, don't we get kind of defensive pretty quickly? I think that was right on. And then here's another one, Um, once again, replacing secular feminism with Christian feminism. So what does this mean? Most of us here would probably realize that the feminism of our world is wrong. It's trying to lift up women and just promote women, take women out of their homes, out of their roles as mothers and in husbands and uh, exalt self too much. Most of us would recognize that. But what about Christian feminism? What about the women that take good things like taking care of children or natural birthing or breastfeeding or having lots of children and make that into an idol. Make that into something that if you don't do it just the way that I do, there must be something wrong with you. Or if you can't do it just the way I can, maybe you, weren't able to have a natural birth or maybe you struggle with breastfeeding somehow there must be something really wrong with you the elite woman does all these things and i actually think that as much as i value natural and i think if anybody knows me you know how much i love my family and my children i think there is such a thing as christian feminism when we take it too far when we suddenly rise above other christians or even our husbands and in these areas we will not allow other christian whether they're mature christian women or whether they're our husbands to speak into this because after all this is the woman's ordeal i think we we take it too far sometimes and we have to be careful another huge issue And uh, so I, I just have to be completely honest here. So I was asking around, and I purposely did not ask my husband because I didn't want to hear from him because I still struggle with pride. So, but then I go and open my big mouth, and I tell him that I've been asking around. So what do you think he does? He says, well, why didn't you ask me? So I had to ask him. And he only had one answer, but it was exactly what I knew he would say. He says, women get offended too easily. And what can I say? I, sometimes that, I, well, no, I do get offended too easily, especially for my husband, because I care a lot about what my husband thinks about me, right? I don't, I don't think I'm overly sensitive in general, but I can be very offended by my husband. And It's a reminder that I think too much about what he thinks about me. I want him to think I'm absolutely 100% perfect, and I'm not. And and so it's true. But in general, I believe that's very true. Women get way too offended, way too easily. And maybe for you, it's not your husband, maybe because you don't have a husband, or maybe it's because you have that relationship with your husband where, you're not worried about it for whatever reason, but maybe it's, you get offended by friendships very easily or maybe by older women, because maybe you didn't have that relationship with your mom. And so you crave that affirmation from an older woman. And so when older women try to invest in your life, you get super offended. I I don't know what your situation is, but maybe uh, there's that one person or that one type of people that you, so easily get offended by it's not okay we shouldn't be so easily offended one of my favorite quotes is a humble woman is hard to offend and it's just a good reminder because I desire to be a humble woman so if I desire to be a humble woman that means I can't be the kind of woman that gets easily offended And so as I was thinking about this and thinking through my own life, I I do think that sometimes, probably a lot of our pride um, is very much impacted by the hurt that we've experienced in life, right? So once we've been hurt, once somebody has wounded us, we we can easily build up these walls of self-protection. Right? And when anybody says anything or does anything that, that might make you feel vulnerable, you, you get this defensiveness or you get offended. And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know what? I think that's true in my life. And at the same time, I can never excuse hurt to be my reason why I'm prideful. Hurt is never a reason to be prideful. Pride is always wrong. And so that means that when I feel hurt, or when I feel offended, that person may or may not have done anything wrong. But even if they did do something wrong, I can't excuse myself to feel hurt and offended because that's showing my pride. And if I'm feeling hurt and offended, if I'm getting stuck in that, then I'm probably desiring something in my life that God has chosen not to give me yet. And if God has chosen not to give that to me yet, then I need to be satisfied with what he has given me. So I want you to think about that. When you feel hurt and offended, is it because maybe you wanted that friend to include you But they didn't or maybe you wanted to be asked to serve at church in a certain capacity and nobody's even asked you yet or maybe uh you desire that affirmation of being noticed you've never even had a date yet or your husband's so busy doing other things that he doesn't take notice of you and none of these things to serve the lord to be noticed by your friends and included by your friends those aren't wrong those are normal human desires that we have but if those desires become so important to us that we become prideful and and dwell in our hurt we need to recognize that god is sovereign and if he wanted us to be asked for that ministry or if he wanted us to be affirmed by that that friend, or affirmed by our husband, or affirmed by whatever else, whoever else it is that you're thinking about, if God wanted that, he would make sure that you had it. If you don't yet have it, God is saying, I'm enough. Be satisfied in me. Be satisfied in who I say that you are. Be satisfied in the calling that I have given you. You're not ready for that other calling yet. Or maybe that's not your area of giftedness. Why are we craving to serve in a certain area if we're actually gifted over here? And then we're feeling offended that that person gets to do that and we don't get to, but God has gifted us here. And so we have to be very careful here. If we're hurting and staying in our hurt, in our offense, maybe it's because we're desiring something that God has said, that's not yours yet or maybe it's never going to be yours. And so are you trying to be God and get your own way? Or are we going to trust that God is sovereign and he's going to give us everything that we need for life and godliness? So absolutely, if somebody actually does something that hurts you, they say something or they're mean or whatever it might be, it's okay to say that it hurts. But don't allow their words or their actions or their lack thereof to identify you. Rather, we take our thoughts captive and we worship Christ and we choose to be satisfied in who he is and what he has given to us. So that's a lot about how pride is manifested in our lives. So what is the result of pride? Well, the theme verse that I chose here says in Proverbs eleven two, two, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. What else do we learn? Proverbs 16 verse 18 says that pride results in destruction. Proverbs 29 verse 23 tells us that pride results in us being brought low. Psalm 10 verse four says that the person who is prideful does not seek God. James 4 verse 6 says that God opposes the proud. And Isaiah 2 and eleven two verse 11 and 17 says that the pride or the proud will be humbled. So it's very interesting. When we become self protective, when we start acting pridefully, we're trying to protect ourselves from destruction and from shame and from humiliation and from being brought low. But the very thing we are doing is actually producing all those things that we're trying to prevent. So how do we overcome? How do we overcome pride? First of all, we have to repent. And that means once again, even if there's just a hint of it, you want to get rid of it before it takes over. And then we forgive. We fully forgive those people who have hurt us. Don't hang on to it any longer. Um, Once again, like I said, I think being hurt can be one of our biggest contributors to pride because it causes us to be self-protective. And that means we have to replace our desires, but forgive the people that have hurt you. If they come and repent, we forgive. But even if they don't repent, Many of them will never repent because maybe they don't even actually know that they've hurt you or maybe they don't really care Even in those situations we are called to let go to let go of bitterness and the desire for vengeance towards those who have hurt us and even in these situations we are called to replace our pride with humility because God looks at the heart. So whether that person repents or not, whether we have the opportunity actually forgive them or not, our heart doesn't change. We have a heart that does not hang on to bitterness, that does not hang on to vengeance. We let it go and we trust God. And I think as much as possible, we should seek reconciliation because so many times people that have hurt us They actually don't know. And if they knew how much they had hurt you, they would probably want to be reconciled and they'd wanna work it out. Uh, I do realize that some people are not possible. It's not possible for you to work things out with everybody. Uh, maybe they've been extremely abusive or maybe they're very angry people that, are, or people who are unwilling to communicate. So I do recognize there's situations where it's not possible. But if possible, let's work these things out. Let's talk about these things. That's part of the gospel, right? The gospel is all about repenting and forgiving and reconciliation, right? That's what happened in our relationship with Jesus Christ so shouldn't that be the way we interact with one another as well instead of building up these walls and let hanging on to all this hurt and then being offended forevermore because we've been hurt and we never let it go let's reconcile if we're pot, able to do that And then I also wanted to touch on the fact that sometimes offense is necessary and I think sometimes we've actually made a Offense to be a swear word when it shouldn't be because sometimes God uses offense all of us if we are Christians had to be offended by the gospel because the gospel tells us that we are sinners and that There is nothing good in us and that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves that is Super offensive in a culture that tries to do everything on their own and tries to be good on their own and be able to accomplish righteousness on their own by all their good works the gospel is offensive and so sometimes it's actually necessary for us to be offended it starts with salvation but even after that in order for us to be sanctified don't we get offended by god's word sometimes we read god's word and it's like ouch that hurts some of the things that i've been saying tonight it's i've been hurt by that all over again because i realize it's something that i still need more work on there's a little bit of offense there. So I'm offending myself while I'm up here. So I think we shouldn't always be so offended or so upset or so afraid to either be offended or even to offend another person. Because sometimes to offend another person is exactly what they need in order for them to be restored or to be sanctified, to make, be made right with God. Right? To, to turn from our sinful human ways and to be put back on the right path takes some offense. So not all offense is a wrong thing. Sometimes we need it. And sometimes other people need it as well. And then lastly, to overcome, we replace our pride with worship, right? We worship the one and only God. We put him back in his rightful place rather than putting ourselves way up here on this pedestal. So that's three questions. The fourth question is, we've talked about what is pride? How does pride pride look like in women and how do we uh, overcome that? What are the results of pride? Then number four, what is humility? So pride we described as self exaltation. Humility then is self effacement. So that was a new word for me. I found it in my Logos Bible study app, which uh, describes it as meaning, or I think I looked this up in a different dictionary. Uh, self-effacement is reducing your significance right so pride exalts self humility reduces self and uh, I think we have to recognize that in order to reduce ourselves once again we have to have a bigger view of who God is Exalt him in our minds in our hearts in our actions And then we put ourselves into that rightful place having a rightful view of ourselves and a rightful view isn't Isn't necess- feeling good about ourselves, and it's not feeling bad about ourselves I think having a right view means that if God has gifted me if he has blessed me We aren't afraid to admit it because it's not about me. It's not me that blessed myself or me that you know, accomplish something, it's God through me. So there's nothing wrong with recognizing, hey, God used me in this area. But at the same time, having a rightful view means that when we are confronted with sin, we're willing to say, yeah, I sinned, I failed, I I messed up. Instead of being defensive, it's like, no, In this situation, I I failed desperately and I need to repent I need God's restoration. And so a rightful view is recognizing that when we do well, when we are faithful, when we are obedient, when we are fruitful, there's no shame in saying, yeah, that happened. I don't have to have this false humility saying, yeah, it wasn't that good. No, like if it's all from God, why wouldn't we wanna praise him for it? But let's not, also be afraid to admit when we've done wrong and actually take full ownership for that that's a rightful view of ourselves um so that's humility so how, we talked about how we exemplify pride in our lives so let's then number five talk about how we can model humility for jesus in philippians 2 3-5 to 5 says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves look each of you not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others have this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus so first of all we do nothing from selfish ambition so okay i feel like i'm gonna cause some offense here again Uh, He's a little bit of hurt. So nothing from selfish ambition. That means not on our birthday, not on our wedding day, not on Mother's Day. We do nothing from selfish ambition. We don't feel entitled even on our birthday. At the same time, I will say, I don't think we have to once again show false humility and say, oh, don't do anything for me. I don't really wanna do anything. If people wanna honor you, let them honor you. But that's different than feeling entitled to that. Secondly, count others more significant than yourselves. So let's think about honoring others, encouraging others, rather than thinking, what are people thinking about me? What are they gonna say about me? do Do they even notice me? No, we have to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. And if you want to have a friend, We can't just sit by ourselves thinking, who's going to come and talk to me? No, you go and talk to somebody else. You go and befriend that person. And this verse also says, not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And that means if you really want to honor other people. Ask them what they need. Ask them how they can be honored, how you can honor them. I think sometimes, especially probably when it comes to marriage, we treat our husbands the way that we want to be treated. But over and over again, I'm seeing how men and women are so different. I've been married, how long have I been married? Was it 28 years? I think it was 28 years. But sometimes I'm still surprised, not even just in my marriage, but as I I just observe men and women it's, it's just humorous at times how we are so different and then we wonder why our husband doesn't feel respected when we're loving them the way we want to be loved and we're thinking like why can't he just love me the way I need to be loved instead of treating me like one of the guys right we're just so different so don't just look out to your own interests don't treat others the way you Okay, so the Bible does say, do unto others as you would have them to do, do unto you. So let's be careful here. I should be careful here. But sometimes that also means thinking about what they need, taking the time to ask what they would like rather than just thinking, I think I know because doesn't everybody think and want the things that I do? Not necessarily. Um, so then a few other tips, I think, learning to speak truth with kindness. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Uh, That means, here's another thing. I think as women, this kind of talks about pride too. I think sometimes we tell other women what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear in that moment. And we never want to be rude or ignorant in that, but we do want to speak truth. As it says in this, Ephesians 429 let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion That it may may give grace to those who hear So we want to be women who are properly able to edify people and that means we want to encourage And pour love and grace into other people's lives but if that other person needs correction that's the best thing that we can give them instead of allowing them to continue to live in their deceptive ways so let's be willing to speak what is fitting for the occasion and if we're going to be humble that means we also have to be submissive because Submissive people are actually willing to listen and that starts with being submissive to God if we have husbands We should be submissive to our husbands or In general who has authority over you? Are you willing to listen? It's interesting I I was recently listening to a speaker a well-known Christian woman uh, Who was talking about the fact that she's never been one to submit to authority And I kind of felt sad that she said this because she wasn't saying it in such a way that she was confessing it as a problem. But, and I I don't know what her motivation was, but it came across to me as if it was almost an excuse. and, And that's what makes her a great leader. And I thought, no, like we have to be, even leaders, even a woman who are, by character, by natural ability, dominant, who are leaders, who are capable, we still have to be willing to submit to those who are in authority. We step into our role of submission rather than doing things our own way. And lastly, I just wanna really touch on the fact that we need to have the mind of Christ. And, um, philippians 2 is all about the humility of Christ how he did not take on trying to be God the father but he humbly stepped into the role of son who was willing to die on the cross for our sins he wasn't trying to um, be received as having the authority that he did not have at that time, even though he was God himself, he stepped into his role of being the son who is going to be our savior, who is dying on the cross for our lives. And if we are going to have the mind of Christ, we have to as well be willing to give up self and to, in a radical way, choose to live for God and choose to live for others instead of just living for ourselves. I believe it's a radical call away from individualism. I've been reading a book called Making Peace by Jan- Jim Van Wiperen and a quote in there I thought was really great. It says, or the biblical call is for the church to be harmonious in soul, in tune with Christ and with each other in thought and feeling. And as much as our culture promotes the individual, being independent, you don't need anybody, you can do whatever you want, you can rise to the top, love yourself, uh, find whatever you need within yourself, we have to step away from that and recognize that we are in Christ and we are to have the mind of Christ. We are to sacrifice self for the sake of living for him and living in loving other people and once again we we want to stop thinking so much about ourselves we want to spend more time thinking about jesus that means we need to spend more time abiding in his presence if we want to really know the mind of christ we have to spend time with christ not just being good christians that are busy doing things for christ but spending time with him we really do become. Like the ones that we're hanging out with right so if you're struggling with having the mind of christ or being like christ maybe it's because you need to spend a little more time with him and what then is the result of humility and this is beautiful proverbs 3 verse 34 says that the humble have god's favor proverbs 11 2 uh, says that the humble will be wise. Psalm 25 verse nine says God leads and teaches the humble. Psalm 55 verse nine says God listens to the humble. Psalm 149 verse four says that God adorns the humble with salvation. James four verse six says that God gives more grace to the humble and that James four verse 10 says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you isn't that wild because pride is self-exaltation humility is self-effacement and yet god will exalt us if we humble ourselves i find this amazing and then i found this amazing phrase in the eastern bible dictionary that says it is a great paradox in christianity that it makes humility the avenue to glory i find it absolutely amazing god never ceases to blow my mind When we exalt God, then he will exalt us. And I do not feel worthy of that, to think that God will exalt me. And yet so many times I get stuck trying to exalt myself. If I would just let go of myself, if I would just stop thinking so much about myself, he's actually gonna exalt me. And this should never be our motivator. Um, because our motivation once again should never be self but it's another great example of God's incredible mercy towards us he just repeatedly gives us what we don't deserve and he doesn't give us what we do deserve and so I just encourage all of us to, to really think about this like how is pride manifesting in your life I'm not here to tell any one of you what it looks like in your life, but if God has spoken to you and, and once again expose that pride in your life, I encourage you to deal with it ruthlessly, to get rid of it, and then to put on humility by putting on the mind of Christ, letting go of self-exaltation and putting on the humility of Christ, resist that self over and over again, lay it down at the cross, put on that self-effacement, and then just worship God. Don't even think about yourself. Don't think about, well, when's He gonna exalt me? When's it gonna happen? No, get rid of that thinking. Get rid of our self-focused thinking. And let's just worship God, enjoy Him, enjoy the blessings of being in His presence. And you will never, I will never regret any day we have actually lived in true humility.